This episode of the Bamboo Pastors Podcast has been brought to you by the Growth Center for Church and Mission. The Growth Center has established the Entrepreneurial Ministry Leader, a ministry ecosystem which brings together pastors, ministry leaders, and marketplace leaders who are finding creative ways to utilize their faith and their talents to bring the gospel to the cities and communities they live in. Check them out at thegrowthcenter.com. Welcome to the Bamboo Pastors Podcast, a podcast that explores the joys and challenges of being an English-speaking pastor in a Chinese church. I'm Jalen Chan, and I'm here with my co-host, John Mon. Hey, everyone. Together, we host the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. We're glad that you're here with us. Come on in and have a seat at the table. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. So glad to have you here. John, always good to see you. Always good to talk with you. How are you doing? How's your week been? Hey, Jalen. Uh, my week has been pretty good, a little bit busy, moderately busy so far, but I'm very excited because at the time of recording this, the White Sox are about to start their playoff run uh, this afternoon. And so I'm really excited for the White Sox to be back in the playoffs second year in a row. Uh, unfortunately, last year, I think I was equally excited. But then by the time the episode where we talked about the White Sox released, they were already out of the playoffs. So hopefully this year will be a little bit different. But yeah, I'm, I'm just excited for for the fall baseball weather. Um, can't wait to watch them play. What about you? What have you been up to? Yeah. You know, like I said, last time I, I'm, I'm really excited about Chicago sports right now, obviously with baseball playoffs for the Sox doing well. Um, the bulls are about to start. I watched their first preseason game and I'm like, I'm all bought in, right. I've, I've fully drunk the Kool-Aid We're you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to make it to the, uh, not just the playoffs. Uh, we're we're going to get far in the playoffs. So I'm excited about the Bulls. And of course, the Bears, Justin Fields has been named the official starter for the rest of the year. I'm excited about that. He looks great. And so it's a good time to be a, a Chicago sports fan, right? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And so I'm excited about that. I know actually our guest is also a huge Chicago Bears fan, Chicago sports fan. He's originally from Chicago. Um, but our guest today is Ben Pun. He's the lead pastor for Anchor Community Church in Walnut, California. Uh, it's a church that was planted out of the Chinese Heritage Church, uh, First Evangelical Church of Diamond Bar, and we'll talk more about that here in a moment. But uh, Ben grew up in the Chicagoland area, actually attended and served in the church that, John, you previously served at. Yep. And, and I know Ben from our time growing up in Chicagoland area uh, because his parents and my parents were good friends. They attended the same church. Uh, ben and I were, were good friends when we were really, we were really young. And in fact, for me growing up, because Ben is a little older than me, Ben was one of those kids that my parents would compare me to. You know, you know how Chinese parents like to compare other kids to their own kids. And in their minds, they're trying to like motivate us to do better. Hmm. Ben was that for me. Uh, but, but I'm thankful for you, Ben. Thankful that you're joining <laughs> us today for the podcast. And uh, before we get into some of what we're going to talk about, if you want to talk about the bears, we can talk about that too. So thanks for, thanks for joining us though. I did not know that I was... Uh... The, the model comparison. Yeah, I wonder what they were saying about me. Uh, I was not a super, super talented five-year-old, but uh, yeah, I'm definitely a Bears fan. I'm all about, uh, yeah, I definitely am very excited about the, uh, about Justin Fields. Yeah, I listen to some of the Chicago sports podcasts and uh, yeah, you guys, that's, that's actually, that's one of the main things I miss about Chicago hmm. is sports. So I, li I live in, uh, I live in Southern California and 
they're just there's such fair weather sports fans here except for the lakers there's some diehard lakers fans especially like at my church i think that's the only team that anyone really follows and so yeah i have to get my chicago sports fix from uh elsewhere no yeah i, I do the same thing definitely uh up here in in the bay i just feel like i'm surrounded by 49ers fans and giants and a's fans and so i i have to hold out my my fandom remain loyal to you know to chicago sports so but ben we're so glad that you're on the podcast with us um we like to kind of start off our time together just getting to know you and letting our listeners get to know you and, and your ministry journey so could you just share briefly um about the church that you're at and also um, how God has led you to where you're at now? Sure. Yeah. Um, it's an honor to be here. I, I've, I've heard I've heard a few of your episodes, and I, I think it's really cool what you guys are doing. Yeah. A little bit about me. Yeah. So I I grew up in Chicago, um, in Wheaton. Uh, my dad was a professor at Wheaton College, um, and uh, yeah, grew up. I think my formative time was at uh, WCAC, where John you were at before in the youth group there. And then after, um, yeah, after graduating, I went to Wheaton as well. After graduating from Wheaton, I kind of just moved away from the Chicago area and moved around a lot. And so, yeah, uh, I had a one year after uh, college where I was just the eighth grade science teacher. And then I moved around the country doing ministry. And so I think I, I was really called into ministry like late college and it was, uh, and then finally, I kind of got the opportunity, a door open for me to do ministry in Houston. And so I was a youth pastor in Houston for, uh, for a few years. Um, and that's where I met my wife. And so my wife is from Houston. And then I, uh, I went to, to Boston to go to seminary. I went to Gordon-Conwell and uh, went out there. And I, I left the Chinese church um sphere for a while i attended like a kind of a multi-ethnic asian american church in boston and then after seminary i i had a, a stint as an assistant pastor at a small church plant in north carolina and i was like an assistant pastor and this church was also was not asian at all it was like white a little bit of african-american so that was a great learning experience for me and then after that i um yeah, yeah. At that point, God called me to California, and yeah, that was not something intentional, really. I, at that point, I was really just kind of open to different positions, and I was open to coming back to a Chinese church if the conditions were right. And yeah, God just led us to this Chinese church in the Southern California area, in the LA area. And I was uh, hired to be the English pastor over just a small group of uh, college kids and young adults. And um, I was the English pastor there for five years. And then I really felt God was calling us to plant this uh, young adult congregation as an independent church and shared that vision with our leaders, with the Chinese senior pastor, and really, I think a really just a God just really brought everyone together and unified all parties. And the Chinese church really got behind us and supported us and sent us out, but with 
a unique model uh, to continue the partnership with the Chinese church. And so, um, yeah, we can talk more about that later, but yeah, so that was, um, that was five years ago when we started that church planting journey where there was like a year of preparation and uh, vision casting. And then we publicly launched in 2017. So we just celebrated our four year anniversary and it's been a wild ride. I think God has definitely confirmed our decision to plant the church and God has grown us. And yeah, we're at the point where we're, we're ready to be completely independent uh, financially. And so actually in January, in just a couple of months, we're going to be completely independent. Um, and we're right now we're doing, uh, we're doing our first membership class. We're going to be installing our first group of elders and so, yeah, I think we've really matured into becoming kind of um, our own church, but we're, we're, we're not actually changing the partnership. And so, yeah, things have evolved and grown and really seen God just at work through our church, made a lot of mistakes and learned from them. And it's, such a, it's still such a huge growing experience. Yeah, so I'm married, I have three kids, it's quite busy. Yeah, but we, yeah, we're out here in the LA area. Yeah, thanks for sharing that with us. I think as you were kind of giving us a, an overview of your calling into ministry and where God had moved you, obviously you've been in the Midwest, the South, the East Coast, now on the West Coast, you've been all over the place. And, and in that, you've kind of been in and out of the Chinese Heritage Church. And, uh, you know, you said that obviously you've been deeply formed by the Chinese Heritage Church. What are some of the unique blessings of the Chinese church that have impacted? Yeah, I think the first thing that comes to mind is Chinese heritage churches was where I, my Chinese ethnic awareness was really formed. Yeah, I mean, living in Chicago, you know, my, the schools that I went to, there weren't a lot of Asian Americans or Chinese Americans. So yeah, my youth group growing up became kind of like my Christian and ethnic kind of haven and, yeah, when I think about the Chinese Heritage Church, yeah, I just really think about that that's, that God raised me in the Chinese Heritage Church and God made me Chinese for a reason. And even my original calling to ministry is closely linked to Chinese churches because, um, yeah, I was very involved as a college student helping out with the youth group. And, you know, uh, the youth pastor at the time really, like, mentored me. And I think he saw in me a potential to be a pastor. And I remember <clears throat> he took me to this little conference. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm sure it was probably like a one-time thing, but it was this little tiny conference for Chinese American pastors in the Midwest. And it was like in the middle of nowhere. I think it was like in the, this small little town in Indiana. And I was like, I was, I was like wondering, what am I doing here? This godforsaken place, you know? And, um, and it wasn't many people. It was like maybe 20 people, Chinese, young Chinese American pastors. And the, and the speaker was Steve Chin from Boston Chinese uh, Evangelical Church, who's kind of a legend among Chinese American pastors. And he was just saying Chinese Americans was this huge mission field and how, how, so few percentage wise uh, 
Christians there are among the second generation Chinese Americans. And then also he pointed out how few Chinese American pastors there were. And that was where God really spoke to me and tugged at my heart. And I really just felt for the first time, like maybe God is calling me to, to join that mission field. And that's where it really all began for me. And so I've always had a burden to reach other Chinese Americans like me. And I feel like God, you know, made me Chinese American and gave me those experiences um, in order to minister to others who had similar experiences. And yeah, I mean, I think that call has evolved a little bit. You know, I think I'm definitely not, um, I don't feel like it's my sole purpose to reach just Chinese Americans, but I, yeah, I think I've always had a burden for um, other people with that heritage. So I think that's the first thing yeah, that really sticks out to me about the Chinese Heritage Church is where I was grown. It's part of my calling. Yeah, you know, that's, uh, man, that's such a, an amazing story to hear. Um, and, and to, I think for all three of us, we've been shaped by the Chinese Heritage Church in our own stories. And, and that's partly what has led us back to serving in these spaces is, like you said, a deep desire to see kind of our people uh, come to know the gospel. But I think also something that Jalen, we've talked about on the podcast is that, like you said, Ben, we can't just stop there. And and really what we're doing is as we are reaching the Chinese church, we are allowing the Chinese heritage church to speak, you know, from our experience and from our culture, like to show a side of Jesus that maybe the rest of the kingdom doesn't see without us. And, and I think that's what every ethnic group and cultural group brings to the table when we're talking about, um, you know, the people of God, that we have all these unique things that God has made us this way. And so we reflect him or kind of put a lens on Jesus that's a little bit different from the people around us. And we need to share that with other people. Uh, so we get a fuller picture of Christ. And so uh, I'm glad that, that, you know, you are aware of that and that you're doing that in your church. Um, I was wondering if we could maybe shift gears just a little bit and go back to um, talking about Anchor Community Church, this church that you planted um, as Jalen and I were kind of reading about your story and, and um, hearing you share about it, one of the things that we recognize is that, that your story is pretty unique when it comes to um, church plants from a Chinese heritage church. That it's not often that an entire you know, English congregation kind of gets birthed out into something new. And so I was wondering if you could maybe just share a little bit about um, how you felt that God was leading you to do this? You know, like, what, what did that process look like? What were some of the things that you were thinking through uh, leading up to the decision and even sharing that with, with your, uh, you know, the other leaders at the church, the senior pastor at the church that you were at? Because I'm sure that that was maybe not an easy conversation right away, or initially there might've been some fear about like, how do I bring this up? This is so different. Um, yeah, so what was that like for you? So when I first uh, came to the church and interviewed, like I said earlier, I wasn't really looking to go back to the Chinese church. Um, but I said to myself, like, if I would only go back to a Chinese church, if the Chinese side, if the Chinese senior pastor really let me have a lot of autonomy to kind of do things how I wanted to do and contextualize to the English congregation. And I remember um, when I met with this church and this senior pastor at FEC Diamond Bar, 
I, I even asked the senior pastor, I said, would you be okay if I planted a church out of this English congregation? And he said, yes. He said, uh, and I don't think he knew that I was going to actually do it, but he said yes. And, and I really got the sense, and I was right, was that he was a very open-minded, different kind of Chinese senior pastor. And he really did have a burden and a vision for unleashing the second generation and doing different things for them. And I think a lot of that has to do with his unique personality and also the fact that he has two grown kids who have since become leaders in my church at different times. And he saw how, you know, his kids and other young adults were leaving Chinese churches and they're going to Asian American churches, especially in California. In California, Southern California, there's tons of Asian American churches and multi-ethnic churches. Yeah, so he was very open, um, but really that first five years as just being an English pastor, you know, this is small, I was working with this small group, you know, at the beginning it was only like 15 to 20 young adults. And yeah, I think the first five years is just kind of just stabilizing, just being their pastor because they had a lot of turnover before me and just gaining their trust and just being a pastor, just shepherding these young adults and, um, you know, getting some of my convictions and DNA into the ministry. But then at that five-year mark, because I, I had told myself, I will commit to this church for at least five years. At that five-year mark, I really had a time of really just prayer and reflection and looking looking back and saying, you know, is God calling me to stay for another five years? And I remember during that time, I really felt strongly convicted. And I felt that God was calling me saying, you know, Ben, if you're going to stick around, I think you need to do something bold. You need to do something bold. And I think you need to plant a church. Um, and maybe it will fail, but I think you need to at least try it. And, and the reason that I felt like that was what God was calling us to do is because I think at that point we had grown a little bit, you know, we're like a group of 35 ish young adults. They're getting a little bit older, starting to get married, but I really felt like, yeah, we were a healthy group. We loved one another, but there was definitely this sense of complacency that we weren't really reaching the lost. We weren't reaching our friends we were just very comfortable. We have our own little group. And I just felt like, you know, this, this group of young adults being inside of the Chinese church, it was very easy to just be complacent because you don't have to really take care of that much. You have this building for you. You got this nice room. Um, you don't even know anything about the finances because the Chinese side takes care of all the budget stuff. And yeah, I just felt like in order to really reach more people um, and also to take responsibility as young adults for our ministry, we needed to try this. We needed to um, establish a new identity, a new church in a neutral location. And um, yeah, it was really incredible. I really feel like it was, it, God was all over it because when I pitched this idea to my senior pastor, you know, he was, you know, it was out of the blue. I hadn't told him about those, that thought before, like really concretely. And he was just, he said, Ben, I think you should do this. No pushback. 
And then he helped me to kind of uh, share that vision with the, you know, our board, the Chinese leaders. And I remember at that meeting, at that, uh, that first pitch meeting, you know, I worked really hard on a PowerPoint presentation. I did a lot of research, demographics, you know, try to have lots of tangible goals and stuff like that, because, you know, Chinese people love those PowerPoint presentations and all those specific details. And um, yeah, it was just incredible because I gave my presentation and then we went around the room and each board member got a chance to say what they felt. And one by one, they all said, we think he should do it. Every single one. And I, I was really kind of surprised and blown away because you know, I had tried a couple of things that first five years, like I had tried to do some kind of changes and they got shot down by the leaders. And so I wasn't really expecting everyone to be so on board, but um, they were. And I think one of the main reasons, I think there's a couple of reasons, but what, I think one of the main reasons was that I was proposing this unique model, which was that we would not just plant a church and just leave. It was could we plant a church that was um, that was separate, that was independent, yet also maintain the partnership so that you don't have to restart the English ministry and so that the youth ministry could still be taken care of by the young adults, right? Because we know, you know, when a Asian church plants a church, the young adults leave, what gets hurt the most is the youth ministry, because that's all your youth workers are gone. All your big brothers and big sisters are gone. And, um, and so we said, you know, what if we could work it out? You know, what, what if, and I had done a lot of research talking to other uh, pastors, mostly Korean pastors, Korean American pastors who've done this kind of model. And yeah, I, I really thought that there, it could work, you know, we had to commit to it. So that's the model that we propose. And that's the model that we're still continuing to this day um, where we still send youth workers to the youth ministry, the youth ministry, actually they worship with us once a month and the, you know, they get rides to worship with us. So there's, we're trying to maintain that connection where uh, when they graduate from the youth ministry, they would be encouraged to come to anchor and then also we are continually trying to recruit uh, youth workers and um, partner with the youth ministry. And I think one you know, huge benefit of that is the youth workers, they can serve the youth, but at the same time have a church for themselves where they can be just ordinary people, where they can have peers and be fed and be in a healthy place rather than, you know, so often in Chinese churches, the youth workers are just serving all the time mm. and they're there to serve and out of great motivations, but could there be a healthier way where you don't have to feel like you're sacrificing your own um, spiritual health to do that? And so, yeah, that was kind of the journey. Are your two uh, locations, are they like completely separate locations or are you um, sharing a building still, like as far as the mother church and an anchor. Yeah. So we, we planted at an elementary school. We started off at an elementary school right, right across the street. Cause it, uh, yeah, we wanted to stay as close as possible. And then that school is pretty small. We actually outgrew it fairly quickly. 
not because we were so huge, but just that school was really small. <laughs> and then so we actually moved to another elementary school, like the next closest one we could find, which is now five minutes, a five minute drive down the street. And so we worship at that elementary school, except during COVID, right? And actually it's interesting, like during COVID, we actually came back to the Chinese church because they had this big building, they had a parking lot, we could do outside, we could use their sanctuary in the evening. But then we actually just returned to our elementary school because they finally opened up like a couple of months ago. And so we're back at that elementary school at a separate uh, location. My office is still at the Chinese church though. And so they allow us to use the Chinese church for meetings and uh, my office. And, um, but yeah, having that separate location, I think in our situation, what I've seen um, is a, was a big benefit because it was really a neutral location. You know, there's no Chinese church signage. There's, you know, we could just kind of do with it whatever we wanted to and establish our own identity. So we made our own signs, you know, Anchor Community Church. And it's, I think it was easier to invite your friends, especially if they're not Chinese, to kind of this neutral place. Um, and I, I, I definitely feel like that has happened. And, you know, I, uh, we've had a lot of people visit some non-Asians, um, and just, uh, you know, just different people just check us out. And, you know, I always think to myself, and sometimes I tell my wife, like, there's no way that they would have come if we were in the Chinese church. Um, I think it's just a lot easier to invite your friends to this kind of neutral location. And yeah, I think it just also just uh, gave us help to really form our own identity. Yeah. And I think, you know, as you've shared, like the, the ability and the opportunity to reach people that you probably might not have been able to, had you stayed with the Chinese Heritage Church or stayed in the Chinese Heritage Church, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty remarkable that you're able to reach different people, right? Not necessarily forsaking your identity, but using what God has given you and the uniqueness of being Chinese American and having your own space now to reach other people. That's, that's pretty incredible. And I would, and I would hope, I would think that, you know, some of our listeners or people who might hear about your, your church would be inspired or, or feel called by God to do something like that. And I want to go back for a moment to just the way that FEC Diamond Bar supported you. Um, you know, obviously, first of all, to have a unanimous board decision, that's a work of God, right? And, and, and to have you have them send you out is pretty amazing. But what other ways did you feel like they supported you or, you know, for people who might be thinking or praying about this being a, a pattern to follow, what are some things that you would hope a Chinese heritage church would do to support a movement like that? Yeah, I think it begins with the relationship between me and the senior pastor. And so it all it really, yeah, we would not have been able to do what we're doing if it wasn't for him. His name is Albert Wong. He, he is a senior pastor and he, he wasn't just allowing me to do it. He championed it. He was behind it. He was, uh, he believed in it. And that makes all the difference in the world. And he was used his influence and, and he planted the church, uh, the Chinese church. So he, you know, this was his church. And so if he had a vision for it, they would follow. And so I think it starts with the, the senior 
leader of the Chinese church having that kind of vision, having that openness, having that kingdom vision of, you know, losing or, you know, quote unquote, losing your English congregation. Um, and yeah, he, sometimes he tells me he gets, he gets like pushback from other Chinese, per, Chinese pastors. Like, why are you doing, why are you letting them go? You know, like, how could you do that? And he says, he was fine. You know, he was able to, he's willing to take that criticism because he felt really strongly about doing this for the kingdom, for the second generation. So I think that's, it begins with a senior pastor who has that vision. Um, but I think another thing I would say is it also, it took five years of me being the English pastor for this to come to fruition. And I really actually think that God, you know, brought me here to do this kind of church plant. Because I think my personality, and maybe this is true for a lot of Chinese American pastors, you know, I'm not, I have like a part of me that's kind of visionary and entrepreneurial, you know, which is, you know, why I wanted to do this, but there, but I don't think I'm, I don't think I fit a typical church planner personality type, like those type A, you know, I, I, I went to a church planner boot camp, which mostly like other ethnicities and there's a type of church planner, right? Like really entrepreneurial and they would not survive in a Chinese church. Like they would just blow it up. Right. And so I think, you know, I'm also, yeah, I think I also have a part of my personality, which is kind of someone who could be patient, someone who could submit to authority, even when you didn't like it, um, like build bridges and be a peacemaker. And so I think that's why it worked. That's one of the reasons why it works is because I was willing to stick around for five years and earn the trust of the Chinese leaders. And it took five years for them to see like, yeah, Ben is not just doing this because he just, you know, he's just a hothead and just wants to just, you know, do his thing for his, his, his good, but he does care about the Chinese church. He wants what's best for the second generation and we want to support him and we want to work together. Yeah. And I, and I, I think I have a pretty good relationship with even those, those board members. Like I know them, we joke around, you know, like, and so I think that's what it takes is that kind of partnership between the Chinese side and the English side. You need a Chinese leader who is visionary and open-minded um, and you need an English leader that's also visionary, but also is able to work together with the Chinese side. And I, yeah, I don't think you just, I don't think you find those kinds of situations a lot. And let me just add one more thing. I think our, our church is also unique in that I had a group of, a small group of all young adults. So, you know, when you, that's all, that's, that was my group, young adults are very moldable. They're very, they have a lot of talents and giftings and they can get excited. And if you can just shepherd them and direct them the right way, I didn't have like an older generation of English speaking folks where, you know, where we, I had to kind of, you know, consider the different kinds of needs. And so we could move more quickly. You know, I think that not all Chinese churches have that, all the right ingredients. And so this is one thing I do say to other Chinese American pastors. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that our model is the right model for every Chinese church. I think that there are, there are many different models 
of English ministry that are flourishing. So ours was a unique model, and it also remains to be seen the long-term success of our model, you know? And so we'll see. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I agree. Like there are many different models of the of English-speaking ministries in the Chinese church or kind of connected to the Chinese heritage church. Um, but something that you said earlier that I that really resonated with me, and I think you're hitting on something, is at the very least your model of church planting that was something that was new to me as i was listening to you talk about it and and you're right like you were saying uh a lot of times church planters kind of fit a certain mold that like they are very entrepreneurial they're just gonna in your words blow things up just to get them moving right which you know for better or for worse i think like that works often and that's why it's become this mold um, but I wonder how much of that is, for lack of a better term, like a white American church planting model, and it's different than what may be um, valuable to the Chinese Heritage Church. Like what you just said earlier about how, you know, you were, you know, you had this vision for what God wanted for you to do, uh, and you began to share and express it, but you were willing to kind of wait, or you knew you needed to wait for the church to do that. And I could imagine maybe another pastor having that vision would just say, no, I'm going to just do it. Let me go, let me go plant this. And I'm just going to, it's like my way or I'm out of here. Like if, if you won't back me, then I'm just going to do it myself sort of thing. And that may work in some, some situations and that may be necessary in some situations. But I wonder also if for like the Chinese heritage church, there's this other third way or this second way, I guess, um, this new way where, um, yeah, you do have to kind of have the patience to wade through the the longer decision-making process. But at the end of it, what's going to come out of that, what's going to get birthed out of it is, uh, like you said, like a partnership and also something where the Chinese congregation or the, the Chinese heritage church, the first generation church, is going to really recognize like God is in this rather than feeling like, uh, you know, this just feels like tension or an argument dissolving into two churches or something like that. Um, and so I really appreciate how you, um, you know, how you frame that or how you guys went about doing that and listening to your story. I'm encouraged. I'm inspired um, just by what, what's possible, you know? Um, and so thank you for, for sharing that. You know, one of the questions that I, I wanted to also ask though, is cause you talked a lot about how, you know, FEC Diamond Bar has really um, supported you guys and launched you out. Uh, but I know that it's not a one-way relationship that you guys, like you were saying earlier, you are still sending uh, youth workers back to serve in the youth ministry at the first generation church. And you have this desire to like kind of build a pipeline in some ways. Um, and so my question is besides that, are there other ways that you guys have um, been able to partner with or uh, continue to serve the first generation ministry? And then also is that a long-term plan or is that like, we're going to do this for a little while and then things may change or we may adjust, you know, what, what's kind of the outlook for that for you guys? Yeah. So I think that piece is always evolving and it actually already has evolved a little bit over the four years that we've planted. And um, I think actually in the very beginning, we were also uh, experimenting with partnering with the children's ministry as well. And we are, because we were also serving the children, we were volunteering with the children 
Um, and we even like tried like, oh, what if we had our children's ministry also be at the Chinese church? And so like, what if the parents could drop off the kids to the Chinese church and then go across the street and then come back and get them? And we tried it and it didn't work. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I mean, you know, that, that's just like, yeah, most parents would not want to do that. Right. And, and we're also very young. We only have, you know, some babies and toddlers now. And actually what we found was as we got a little bit older and we started having babies and toddlers that we had to start our own children's ministry on site at the school. And also we found that we could no longer uh, sustain committing volunteers to the children's ministry at the Chinese church because there, there was just more and more things volunteers needed for us. And so that's one thing that had to kind of change a little bit where we had to say, yeah, we're not going to partner with the Chinese church for children's ministry. We're going to have our own, but we still can do the youth ministry. Um, and that's, and that, you know, that's, that was obviously um, a hard thing for the Chinese church because they lost a bunch of these young English speaking volunteers. And, um, but really, you know, they've, you know, took a lot of dialogue, but, you know, they've embraced it and they've, they, you know, the, the children's ministers, you know, really been great about like trying to figure out other ways to get volunteers involving the Chinese side. Um, <clears throat> and so that's been kind of evolving. And, um, but yeah, we really, at the youth ministry is the key way that we partner. I think we're open to other things, but we really feel like that's the most important avenue of partnership the, the best way that we could serve is establishing that kind of bridge for the second generation and then maybe even the, yeah the youth actually have gotten more involved in helping out with children's ministry so there's kind of like this generational kind of discipleship and um but yeah i think you know we're open to other things like even with the children's ministry we've talked about like hey, yeah we have two two separate children's ministries but why can't we partner for certain things Maybe we could do a VBS together, you know, down the road. But, you know, in terms of the future, though, yeah, one thing we, we established this year, um, preparing for our independence next year, was that we actually wrote out an agreement between Anchor and the Chinese church. Not like a contract, but just kind of like an agreement on paper. Like these are the things we commit to. And we have committed to, yeah, on there, on that agreement is the youth ministry partnership. And we've committed to revisit this agreement every year and commit to having uh, quarterly uh, meetings where the leaders talk to each other. And so I think that's, that's the key is the continuing to have communication on both sides and figuring out how can we partner together and each year it's going to look different. I think I can't predict the different kind of situations and circumstances. So that's why we said, yeah, we have to revisit the partnership every year. I don't have any intention of one day graduating from the partnership. I want it to work. I want it to work. I want the youth. I, I value it. And also our leaders value it. They, our youth workers love serving the youth. And, um, and so, yeah, our intention is not to just kind of eventually kind of just do our own thing. Uh, but yeah, but I, I don't know <laughs> exactly what it'll look like. Yeah. I love that. I mean, it, to me, that just feels healthy, you know, and, 
And there are a lot of times where we'll hear about churches that are not healthy or, th or those are the ones that kind of get our attention. And so hearing about this healthy partnership to me is, man, that's a blessing. So I just had one question uh, out of curiosity, but uh, why did you choose the name Anchor Community Church? It comes from Hebrews 6.19, where it says, Jesus is the sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. And the vision, yeah, when I was thinking about names and I was talking to our leadership team about it, I just kind of felt, yeah, I wanted our church, our name to express how we are anchored in a deep gospel that the gut we want to be we want to be a gospel loving gospel centered church and just dig into the depths of the gospel and have jesus be our anchor and another thing that as i was thinking about it was just like yeah when i think about young adults which we are very young and in our culture today it really just feels like people are just being just tossed about by all these storms and waves and being lost you know, all the, all the divisiveness and all the different opinions around them. And they're looking for something to anchor themselves on. And that's what we can give them. You know, that's the only thing we can give them is Jesus as, as the, as the anchor. And so that's, that's where that name came from. That's right. Yeah. I love it. I love, you know, Jesus is our cornerstone and certainly his church is being built up uh, with him as our cornerstone. I really appreciate just the thoughtfulness that went into even just the name of your church and praying for you. Thankful for the ministry that you're doing. As we wrap up, one of the questions we always ask to our guests is what's one piece of advice or encouragement you would give someone currently serving in the Chinese heritage church? I would say, um, yeah, just keep loving and shepherding your people and even going through this, the whole church planting process. I think that's what I come back to that. It's not about, you know, the sexy kind of ministry where you're doing something exciting. Yeah. Even that's one thing I learned as a church planter, like, yeah, there's all this excitement and momentum, but at the end of the day, it's still shepherding people. It's still being faithful to the word, being faithful to God. And we don't want to draw people in by with gimmicks, you know? And so even at the end of the day, it's all about, shepherding people that's what the word pastor means it means shepherd and so i would just kind of uh encourage chinese american pastors to be faithful shepherds but i also would want to encourage them to be bold and to be courageous i do feel like that's one of the weaknesses of chinese culture and maybe the second gen is that Chinese Americans don't tend to take risks. Yeah, it's one thing that is kind of discouraging to me a little bit when I go out there and I, and I try to network with, with other Asian American leaders and church planners. I rarely meet other Chinese Americans, even in California. It's mostly Korean. And I feel like there's probably a lot of different reasons. There. I feel that there's a lot of Chinese Americans. They're just, there's not many going into pastoral ministry that maybe should maybe consider it. And also like, yeah, just the ones in ministry. Yeah. I think they're, you know, we tend to be very intellectual and heady and that's good, man. I love theology. I'm a theology guy too, but also like, what about the passion for reaching the lost and doing things um, in like a courageous way and a bold way. So I mean, I might encourage them to, 
to, to pray for that as well. Yeah, I love it. You know, it sounds like we actually have another uh, podcast topic for you to come back and hang out and talk with us about where are all the uh, Chinese American pastors and what do we do to, to find them, get them into the ministry. Um, so Ben, thank you so much for coming on with us today. Uh, thank you for your time. We really enjoyed this conversation and we're looking forward to having you back on someday. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Ben. That's the end of our episode. Thanks for joining us today on the Bamboo Pastors podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the pod on whatever platform you listen to us on. Rate and review us and check in every week as we explore the joys and challenges of ministry in the Chinese church. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Bamboo Pastors. See you next time.